0: All right. You guys can have a seat. I want to introduce to you a friend of mine that I have known since 2008. When Chrissy and I first moved to Columbus, Georgia, one of the first guys I got to know was this guy, Ian Allen, who is going to be our guest speaker today. He's going to bring the heat. Everybody say, bring the heat, uh, Ian. No pressure. All right. And I'm not talking about 95 degrees outside. I mean, like, bring the heat here on stage. So, Hey, we're going to have a lot of fun. Ian is one of those guys that I love. He's a friend. His fingerprint is all over this church. From multiple roles and times and seasons of life, Ian has made an investment in this church, and I believe it's made an investment in him. Ian runs a ministry uh, called Eminent Worship. How many of you guys have ever been to an Eminent Worship event? Right? You guys know about that. Uh, He'll explain a little bit about that, but he's got an incredible wife, incredible kids. And he is our guest today, so I want you guys to give him a really, really my church warm welcome and say, "Don't say anything because we already did that." All right.
1: Thank you, thank you. Well, yeah, Jeff. Jeff took the first five minutes of, uh, I guess, what I was going to say, so I'll condense it down. Um, But no, it's it's awesome to be back. As I was pulling in the parking lot this morning, um, I was trying to do the math in my head and realized that he and I met back in two thousand eight, so right before the church started. and so that 's almost nine years now, which is crazy, and just to see my wife and I um, attended here, served here for for a season, and we were involved in the worship team we were involved in well she wasn 't I was involved in the worship team, and uh, we were involved with the student environment here, and um, really looking back on it, we were talking this week a lot of our strongest, even still today best friendships and closest people that are in our lives came from this church and from this season and so We are forever grateful for for my church, everything that's going on. Um, We have been influenced and impacted just not only in the time that we were here, but just even outside hearing and seeing what's continuing to happen here and through this church um, has been very encouraging. So I do have a wife and two kids. Um, There they are. That was some uh, graffiti art we did here in Columbus. Not really, Um, but... My daughter right here that I'm holding, she turns four in January, Addie Reese, and our son Avery just turned one in July, and they are an absolute handful. We love them to death, but they are completely different, Um, and so everything we thought we learned with the first one, we tried to apply to the second one, and he was like, no, I'm going to be nothing like that, and so it's just been a relearning process. Um, I met my wife back in 2007, 2008, so about the same time. Uh, I met Jeff, so I chose wisely of the two people I had just met, um, in my opinion. And uh, we've been married eight years. This past summer, so just an incredible family, incredible support system. Um, she gets to stay at home and really pour into them, which allows me to do what I what I love. And I get to do. Um, I do lead a. I'm the director of a ministry called Imminent Worship. For those of you that are not familiar with it, uh, this past September we just celebrated six years. Um, as a ministry, i wasn 't part of it when it launched six years ago. Um, I attended it, and a lot of my friends were kind of the, the birthing foundation of the ministry. But the whole idea behind it was we had this whole community of worship leaders and guitar players and drummers and a lot of musicians, but on Sundays, we were all spread out serving in different churches, and so it was frustrating because we were all friends. And we were all musicians, but we didn't get to play together a lot because we all had the different areas that we served. And so initially this uh, ministry kind of started up as an opportunity, one, for all of those musicians to come together and get to be able to do what we loved doing with our friends um, outside of the context of a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, um, but also to see a bunch of different churches come together. So it wasn't like a my church night of worship. It was more of a night of worship for the church. And so I got involved about four years ago as the director of this ministry um, through a different series of events and really felt like the Lord was pressing into that vision of unity, really seeing his body as believers come together and operate together and work together and and support the local church and what's happening. But as a corporate body to be able to cross those lines of ages and demographics and um, race in the, the lines of even denominations in the church. Well, you go to that kind of church and I go to this kind of church. And so it's been incredible just the, the movement and what we've seen taking place in our city and the surrounding areas just through that ministry. So if you're not familiar with it, check us out online or social media. We meet on the second Tuesday of every month, um, which is going to throw you off because in October we're actually meeting the third Tuesday because of a, a conflict, um, Of interest, But we have a uh, a special guest coming from the Atlanta Athens area that will be coming down to lead for us in October Um, And so we're very excited about that But today I have a word that I feel like is very um, foundational and very beneficial to everybody in this room Um, Whether you are just coming and checking things out today and you have the reaction of oh great The day that I was willing to come check it out the the lead pastor is not even the one there I've been there before. Uh, My wife and I attend a church in Auburn, and I think 100% of the time we've invited somebody to come with us. It hasn't been the lead pastor speaking. And so it's like, hey, glad you came. Sorry it's not who we were talking about, but come again another time. So maybe that's you today, Um, and I'm sorry, but thank you for being here, and come back and try it out next week. Um, Or maybe you've been going here a long time. I believe that that the word that we're going to look at today is very foundational, to our faith, to our influence, to our um, encounter with God, but also this passage is very special to me because a verse or two from this passage were really kind of a birth verse for imminent worship. Um, We'll see that. I won't jump ahead to that yet, but there's a passage in here that's really kind of the heart and the foundation of why this ministry exists and what we want to see take place through this ministry. So I want to pray for us this morning, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Lord, thank you for your church. God, thank you for this church, Lord, for Jeff and Christy, Lord, and their leadership and their influence in this body. God, we thank you for the opportunity this morning, Lord, to gather in freedom. God, with no fear that somebody's going to come kicking the doors down and try to shut this down. So, Lord, we just pray that, that you would make the most of this time. God, that everything that, that comes out of my mouth, Lord, would be edifying and would be beneficial. God, would be truth from your word. Father, equip us, encourage us, and, and stir us up this morning. Father, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, if you've got your Bible or you've got a um, technology device that has a Bible embedded in it, cell phone or iPad, or maybe you don't have either one of those, I want to encourage you just to listen. Don't check out. Um, this is a little lengthy of a passage, um, but I had two guys come up to me after the first service and say, hey, when you started reading that, I thought, oh no, I've heard this a lot before. But by the time you finished it, something new, something stood out to me in a new way, in a fresh way. And so even if it's a familiar passage or you've never heard it before, I just ask that you'd be attentive and be receptive um, to what God might have stick out for you, for your situation for today. So we're going to pick up in uh, John 4 and chapter 4. And so Jesus and his disciples are currently in um, a place called Judea. And they're about to leave, some things are kind of stirring up, and so Jesus is gathering his guys and saying, hey, let's get out of here before things get too crazy, and they're making their way back to Galilee, and so on this journey, there's a particular town that they have to pass through that's on the route. So they're just stopping through, and that's kind of where we'll pick up. So it says, to get there, they had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sichar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well, for it was about noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone into the village to buy food for lunch. The, Sam- the Samaritan woman was taken back and asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to a Samaritan. Jesus answered her, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for the drink, and I would give you a fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is far too deep. So how will you get the water that is called living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I have for them will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be from the springs within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I will never get thirsty and I won't ever have to come back to this well again. Then he said, go and call your husband and come back. She replied, I have no husband. That's nicely put. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the man you are currently with isn't even your husband. You have spoken the truth. Sure enough. Oh, so you must be a prophet. Well, then tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped God at the mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship. Believe me, woman. A time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark and we Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews but a time is coming and in fact is now here when what you're called will not matter and where you worship will not matter. It is who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in a pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is a sheer being himself, a spirit. Those who worship him must do so out of their very own being, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. But I do know that Messiah is coming soon, and when he arrives, he will give us the full story. Jesus said, I am he. You do not have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, the disciples came back, and they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking to this kind of woman. At that point, the woman dropped her rope and her bucket and returned back to her village, telling her people, come see this man that knew everything about me. Long passage. So what do we see here? So Jesus, he's on this route. So he's leaving one place, heading to another place. Samaria is not really on his agenda. It's just kind of a, it's the Columbus for people going from Atlanta to Panama City. They stop, they know there's a Starbucks and a Chick-fil-A and a Target if you forgot something. And then they kind of continue making their journey. It's funny, I grew up in Atlanta and it's crazy how many people I've run into on Bradley Park that are literally heading to the beach. It's like, ah, oh, I haven't seen you in 12 years. Yeah, we're on our way to the beach and it just happens that, that we cross paths. Um, so Samaria was kind of that for Jesus. They're on this long journey. It's hot, it's the middle of the day, he's, he needs some water and so they stop in this town. Now the thing was, the relationship here between the Samaritans and the Jews, there is a lot of cultural um, headbutting. These two groups of people do not associate and this dates back to like, way back biblical Moses days and so just the fact that they stopped there was already kind of a risk kind of a hazard and typically Jews that would travel this route would find a way around so that they would not have to even walk through Samaria so already Jesus has kind of placed himself in an awkward position but that's kind of what Jesus does sometimes is he interrupts the status quo and he says this is the normal way people would go about doing things and I'm going to do it a little bit differently um But he's just stopping for some water. He stops, takes a rest. He's sitting near this well. His boys go into town to get lunch. And here enters this Samaritan woman going through her daily routine, coming to get some water, draw some water from the well, and take it back. And she notices something's off. There's a guy here that doesn't belong. I don't know if he had a shirt on that said, like, hey, I'm a Jew, or something labeled him immediately that when she walked into the picture, she knew this is somebody we don't associate with. And his first interaction with her, his first response was, hey, can I have some water? He saw that she was coming to get water. He just simply asked for a drink. And she doesn't say yes. She doesn't say no. She comes back with, we don't, you realize, like, some, do you not understand where you are and who I am and who you are? Like, we don't associate. And then they go down this, this conversational path of talking about water. He wants a drink. And she says, well, you didn't even bring anything to drink with, so why? I don't want you sipping on my bucket. Like, we, not only do our cultures not talk or communicate, like your your lips aren't touching my bucket. I'm not going back with that story. And you didn't bring anything to drink, and so I don't know what you're talking about. And then he comes up with some living water that will satisfy her thirst, and she'll never have to come back to the well again. So now she, he's probably just confusing her like crazy. Why are you here? You don't belong here. And now you have some mystery water that's going to satisfy my need that I'll never have to come back to this well again. Um, and so he's just kind of throwing her for a loop. And then I love this part where he interjects into the conversation, hey, go get your husband real quick. Okay. she's probably starts sweating at this point, not even from the heat, but just like, oh, gosh, how do I respond to this? Don't technically have one. And, and he doesn't even allow her time to answer, really. She says, well, I don't have a husband, which seemed kind of like a safe answer. But he responds, you're right, you don't. You've had five husbands, you're no longer with them, and the guy that you're currently with isn't even your husband. So now there's this confusing guy, we don't even talk. He talks about some mystery living water, and he knows my secrets. He knows, so he obviously knows that he's not supposed to be talking to me because he knows things even deeper than that. And just in this short interaction, this short time that this lady has has an encounter with Jesus, there's some confusion going just in... This isn't normal. And so the first thing that I see in this passage, and I know there's a spot on the back of your um, worship guide or if you want to type this in your phone or or just listen. The first thing I notice that jumps out in this passage is Jesus wants to know and be known by messy, imperfect people. This lady wasn't anybody significant. She wasn't a religious leader. And so Jesus knew who she was because she pastored that church down the street or whatever like she was just a lady coming to draw water from a well and he immediately identified with her and spoke into her life not to condemn her but to say hey it's okay I know some things about I know who you are Jesus wants to know and be known by messy imperfect people that's good for us because that means that we all have an opportunity to come with everything we've got all of our junk all of our baggage and Jesus still wants to know us. He still wants us to know him, to engage with him and get to know him, just like this woman at the well. The second thing, she starts, as she kind of realizes, like, okay, this guy knows a lot of things. He knows a lot of answers. I don't know who he is, but here's a tough question. She basically throws him kind of a a political slash spiritual curveball and just asks this big Overlying, okay, here's why our two groups of people don't get along. Jesus, what do you think about worship? Because our group of people say that the presence of God is here on this mountain, so that's where we go to worship. Your group of people, the Jews, say that the presence of God is in the temple in Jerusalem, so that's where you go to worship. There's this disconnect. So, what's your answer? You know so much. What's your answer? And he doesn't say what she's expecting. He doesn't say, you're right, or they're right, or we're right he says, no, 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 no. It's different than that. It's bigger than that. There's a time coming in a time that is now here presently when worship won't matter where you go or what you sing or who you're with because it's bigger than that. True worship, the true worshipers that the father seeks are those that worship him in spirit and in truth. I want to look at two verses that kind of tie into that? What does it look like to worship in spirit and in truth? John 4, 23 is the verse that is attached heavily to our our ministry called Imminent worship. We have a desire to see the body of Christ come together in authentic spirit-filled worship. And those words kind of, they can throw people back sometimes like, oh, I don't know what that means. Because you go back to a place where maybe you've been in an environment or you've seen something with those words like authentic worship, or real, or spirit-led, and you're like, oh, that was, that was crazy when I was there watching that. But I want to dig deeper than that. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit is, there's freedom. Where He is, there's freedom. Second verse, John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we've got that word truth and we've got that word spirit and we take it back to this passage in John 4, 23 that he says, true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And where that takes place, there's an authenticity and a realness about that worship that creates this freedom, this freedom culture. It's not about the rules or where or what you're singing. Here's here's point number two. Authentic worship has more to do with your heart than it does the place or the style or the song. Authentic worship. What Jesus was telling this lady is, it doesn't matter if you're on the mountain or if you're in Jerusalem. You can engage with God wherever you are because his spirit goes with you and where the spirit is, there is freedom. You can experience that at home. If you love coming to church because of the worship and you're like, man, that's my favorite part, you can experience that outside of this building as well. You don't have to hire Stephen out and call him and see what his availability is and ask him to come kind of walk through your day with you, just behind you, singing. Like, where the Spirit is, that same freedom is. And so we can worship God in such a way that it doesn't have to do with the place or the style or the song that's being sung. Third thing I see here, and this can easily be uh, read over quickly or skipped over because it's just a real, I don't even know if it's a full sentence in this passage, but after this interaction, and then the disciples come back with their lunch and basically say, Jesus, like, you can't hang out with those kind of people. He hung out with some, some interesting people. Um, but just the fact that he was doing ministry, and they came back and told him, like, no, she's off limits. So as soon as they come back into the scene, it says she dropped her rope in her bucket and ran back home. She dropped her rope in her bucket and ran back home. The very thing she came to do, this was just like a daily task, like, hey, guys, I'm going to go get water. I'll be back in however long it takes me to do it. She, she comes into contact with Jesus, has this encounter, and leaves the very tools. She didn't even get water. She left the tools that she came with and ran back to her town. And so point number three, a true encounter with God will change your priorities. A true encounter with God will change your priorities. I think a lot of times in Christian culture, we have this mindset that we've got to get things right before we can come to God, or we've got to get things right before we can come to church. I don't know if you've ever tried to invite somebody to come with you on Sunday, and they're just like, ah, you just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm struggling with some things, and I'm afraid that there might be some people there that I work with, and they'll see me, and be like, what in the world are they doing in church? And let me clean some things up and come back to you in like six months. I love the, I love the, the tagline here, no perfect people allowed, because we've all got stuff, we've all got baggage, we've all got shame, we've all got things and mistakes that we've made and are making maybe currently, and it's like I don't have to get rid of all of that in order to come to Jesus, but when I do and when I have that encounter with him, things in my life are going to change. This lady came to draw water from a well, a simple task that she does on a daily basis. She wasn't coming to church or coming to a conference. But she had this unique, really brief encounter with God and dropped the very thing she came to do because her priorities changed. It wasn't now about getting water and taking it back to her city, to her village. It was about this living water that she had just told him about that she really didn't understand yet because it was still confusing, but it sounded better than the water that she was gonna put in her bucket. And so she ran back to tell the people in her village, hey, you've gotta come meet this guy that I just met that knows a lot about me. That's really all she said. She didn't come back with a flyer for an event or come back and and plan a church or or start this huge gathering and and get up and preach to the crowd. She just said, hey, you got to come meet this guy. It's really strange. He knew a lot about me, and I'm not really sure how, but you should come meet him. Her priorities changed when she encountered the person of Jesus. And then the last point, and I want to read a piece of this passage that I skipped the first time. So she runs back to her village and tells everybody. She says, come see this man that knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. So in the meantime, she's back in her village. Jesus is still hanging out at the well. His disciples are still kind of like trying to train him. Like, all right, Jesus, we went over the rules before we got here. We were simply going to lunch. We obviously can't keep you unsupervised because you started speaking to a woman that we don't talk to. And they're like taking him back through the game plan. And it says that after she went and told uh, the people in her village, many of them came to see and hear who this Jesus was. And it says, many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knew me inside and out. They asked him to stay, so Jesus stayed for two more days. And then a lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say they said to the woman we are no longer taking this on your say so for we have now heard for ourselves and know it is for sure he is the savior of the world this last point's big and i feel it's taken me a long time to even come to this conclusion something that i look back and i wish that i had known the simplicity of this years and years ago, because I fear I missed some opportunities, because I I built up, I made this bigger than it was, I made it more difficult than it was. Point number four, don't let how much you know, or how much you don't know, hinder who gets to know. Don't let how much you know, hinder who gets to know. This lady came to draw water from a well, had a brief encounter with Jesus he said a lot of confusing things she didn't understand but she knew something was different about him she knew something was special about him so much that she dropped the very thing she came to do and ran back to tell everyone in her village you've got to come meet this guy so often I think and I know in my own life there have been opportunities where I could have pointed somebody to Jesus but I copped out in fear that I didn't know everything about him. I was afraid they might ask a question that I didn't know the answer to and so I just avoided it altogether because I didn't wanna look foolish or like I didn't know what I was talking about and so I just didn't bring it up. But this lady knew very little about who Jesus was and still went back and told everybody that she knew, you gotta come meet this guy. I don't know all the answers. I haven't figured it all out. I, he, I don't even know what all he's talking about, but I want you to come meet him. And I love that last line where they, the, the people from her village turned back to her and basically said, thank you for inviting us because we now believe, not because you told us so, but because we have interacted with him and heard for ourselves. Sometimes it's as simple as just inviting someone you know. Say, you know what? I'm new to this. I tried this church out on Sunday for the first time. I don't know what they were really talking about, but there was just something different in my spirit. Something was, there was kind of this hope that was alive that I haven't felt in a long time, or maybe I felt safe or I felt comfortable there, and I don't even really know what all's going on, but I want you to come with me next time. It could be as simple as that. Don't let what you know or what you don't know hinder who gets to know. You could be the very person that person is waiting on to speak up. You all have different jobs and schools and opportunities throughout your daily week that I'm not a part of, that Jeff's not a part of. You have influence in areas that we will never have influence in. Jesus didn't come to the earth so that preachers could get the message out. I believe that anybody that has had, had an encounter, a true encounter with Jesus and who he is, has, now has an opportunity to share that excitement with those around him. Jesus wants to get to know you in such a way that through you, he can get to know those around you. Jesus wants to get to know you in such a way that through you, he can get to know those around you. There's people in your life that may never step in doors of a church. but you walk the halls with them or you sit next to them at work or you ride the bus with them every single day. You might be that voice that they will never look for on their own. The voice that, that speaks out in confidence and in boldness and connects them to this, this spirit and this truth that could set them free from whatever's going on in their lives. Jesus wants to get to know you so well that through you, he can get to know those around you. A few years back, I got involved in, um, it says like, it sounds, the way I preface that sounds like I became the victim of, I got involved in a, a direct sales um, company where you use products and you connect other people with them and there's ways of getting paid and everybody has their own, um, everybody's minds just went some, somewhere based on your experience just with those words. But, um, I just loved the products personally and wanted them at a discount. It was something I was using. I saw a difference in, and I wanted to use it, and that was kind of all I wanted at the time, and everybody kept saying, but you know that you can sell this, and you can get it to other people, and you can make a profit off of this, and you could leave your job one day, and you could this and that, and I was like, that just, that side of it just scared me. I said, I like what I'm doing. I like what I'm using. I'm just going to keep it there. Keep it safe. Keep it safe. I think the fear in me was, I've never been in a sales job, I've never gone door to door trying to sell vacuum cleaners, um, or cleaning spray, or those, those guys, that, kinda, that still kind of baffles me, um, but I just, I don't know, that's just not my thing, and the other side was, I, I still knew very little about the products and the company, I was like, so how in the world can I sell somebody on something that all of my responses are going to be, I don't know, Well, how does this work? I don't really know, but I love it. You should buy it. Like, well, how much does it cost? Not really sure, but you you can afford it. Like, all of my answers are I don't know. That's not very convincing. But what I learned early on was bring it up and connect them to somebody that knows more than you know. And honestly, most of the things that I've learned through this journey just of, of, of this company in a secular realm has really taught me things in my walk with the Lord because it's not about knowing everything before you have a platform to say something. Tell them what you know, bring it up, and then connect them to a person or to an environment that knows more than you know. Hey, I know a little bit about Jesus. What I know is incredible. I want you to meet this guy that told me about him. He's been in church for a couple of years and I don't even remember his name, honestly, but he, he could probably maybe answer some of your questions or tell you at least what he told me. And our opportunity, our response is to bring it up and connect people with someone else that knows maybe what that looks like better than we do. Invite them to church. Invite them to an outreach. Invite them to meet Jeff. Call Jeff and say, hey, let's grab coffee. I've got this guy that, that's got some questions. But don't let what you know or what you don't know hinder you from who gets to know don't disqualify anybody because of your own fear to maybe have the right material have the right answers i want to close this out this morning and i want you to know that wherever you're at today whatever you came in with if you've been in church your entire life or you're just checking this thing out that there's an opportunity for you today to get involved To have that encounter with Jesus, I titled this message, Changed People, Changed Cities. Because I already believe, I've been in Columbus now for 13 years. I've lived here longer than anywhere else. My plans when I came to college here were to get out as fast as possible. I want a degree, and then I'm back in Atlanta. I've putted and bowled as much as I can. There's nothing else to do here. Columbus Park Crossing wasn't even here when I came to school. It was I was bored. But God had other plans and and I met my wife here and I've gotten heavily involved in ministry here and I have an influence here now and I love this city. But everybody has an opportunity to connect with Jesus in such a way that the surroundings around your life can drastically change. It's not just about you changing, but I believe as you change, the atmosphere around you will change and we could see a different Columbus. Columbus. We could see a different thesis and a different Aflac and a different Fort Benning as a result of not just what God's doing in the local church, but what he's doing in you and you and you and you you, as individuals. I believe that as people change, cities will change. And I believe that's coming for our city. John 3.16, if you've watched any sports in your life or wrestling, you might be familiar with this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would have eternal life. Whosoever. That means every single one of us have the opportunity. Jesus knew the Jews didn't associate with the Samaritans, but he also knew that that lady had an equal opportunity to connect with Jesus. But it didn't stop there she went back and infected a whole community of people that came and saw and heard and listened and devoted and gave themselves to this Jesus. And you have that opportunity this morning to respond. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the local church. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. Jesus, we thank you that you desire to know and to be known and to have a relationship and to encourage us and give us hope and give us faith even though we're messy and even though we mess up and even though we're imperfect and we'll never get it right. God, those are the people that you look for and those are the people that you're drawing yourself close to and saying, I know everything about you. I know the stuff you're hiding that you would never want anybody to know. But I still love you. And I still want to know you. And I want to know you in such a way that I can get to know the people around you. That you can have an impact in your work. That you can have an impact in your neighborhood. And so God, as we press into that this morning, Lord, we just, we pray that you would soften our hearts God, we pray that you would connect with us in such a way, God, that our, that our priorities change, that what becomes important to us changes through a simple interaction, through a simple encounter with you. Father, for the first time, if somebody's hearing this this morning, Lord, and they don't have a relationship with you, this is new and this is confusing, and, but it sounds good. It sounds better than the struggles that we're going through. It sounds better than the hopelessness and the discouragement and the despair that we're dealing with. God, I pray that you would open up their hearts, Lord. God, that you would draw them in. Father, that you would give them a courage and a boldness, Lord, to respond. That all fear would be gone, that all doubt would be gone, Lord, and that you would have a connection this morning. That no person would leave this room, Lord, without having a personal encounter with who you are. And Jesus, we pray that as you continue to change us individually, Lord, that we would see a different change in our culture, God. We would see a different Columbus, a more loving Columbus, a more encouraging Columbus, a more hopeful Columbus, in Fort Benning, Phoenix City, Harris County. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray these things in your name. Amen.